episode 66, Crisis, original air date 20th of October 2016. Hello and welcome to Scottcast 66. This week I'm joined by Anthony. Hello. And Ian. Hello. We'll be reviewing the episode Crisis after a quick synopsis read by Anthony. Uh, again, we've uh, Tony Young's come through on the Facebook group with one for us. Uh, he writes, Crichton has a midlife crisis and changes his body from mech grey to Ferrari red. To help him feel better, the crew decide to seek out a mechanoid from his class to show him how far he's come. They come across Butler, a Series 3000 mech on the Nova 3, but it turns out he's gotten even further in life than Crichton has. Then the crew meet an entity known as the Universe and end up giving it a midlife crisis itself. Crichton is satisfied that he's finally done something Butler hasn't in having met the Universe, only to discover that Butler and Uni, as he calls him, are the best of friends. Thank you very much, Anthony. Uh, Just before we start the episode review, you've just got a few things to say, Anthony. Yeah, uh... I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I might be actually talking about the wrong episode. I'm pretty sure this is the episode that got released a day early on by UK TV okay. on their streaming service. Um yeah, they were they were releasing them a week before the broadcast online and this one got released a week and a day earlier. Uh and instead of just thinking, "All right, we've messed up and leaving it." They actually took it back down again. So, uh yeah, we, you know we've talked about the uh, Fandom, some were watching it online, some were watching yeah. it as it broadcast, mm. and you've got this um, split of discussions going on because people not wanting to spoil it over this, and it made it less of a big event. Sure, this episode yeah. was even less than an event because you got some people yeah. that saw it a day before. Yeah. Uh, I, if I remember rightly, I'm sure I saw it actually a day early and was scratching my head thinking, oh, and I didn't realize, I didn't find out till a few days later what had actually happened. All right, okay. The first scene starts, and Lister is clipping his nails. Crank comes in, bringing him a large breakfast. Yeah, see, I, I think this episode's off to um, a really strong start with the gags. Um, um, Lister explaining why he didn't want Crank to help him cut his toenails was a was a funny part of the episode for me. Um, I'm going to mention this probably a few times the episode because I had big doubts going into this episode when I found out it was a really Crichton-centric episode. I just had yeah, nightmares sure. yeah. from Crichty TV still lingering in the back of my head, so... The episode thinks off to a really good start, yeah, and they feel a bit at ease watching this. Yeah, sure. I know, I know where you're coming from. It, yeah. it needed more pubes on soap gags, definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, Crichton set the clocks forward seven hours. Right. Clocks in deep space. This is something that's always puzzled me with sci-fi in general, right? Um, surely, especially when these have got no mission or times to keep to, yeah. they just eat, sleep when they want. Why, time itself just seems irrelevant. Why would you bother setting the clock forward? Why would you? Why would you stick to British summertime? <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> three million years in space. Yeah, it just yeah, it don't make sense to me. Yeah, uh, Crichton's brought him in the full Lister, uh, which is this massive feast, and uh, Crichton realizes that. He's missed some food. He's uh, he's forgotten to make some. <laughs> Empty tray. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, it's, it's quite brief this scene, but um, I think Danny absolutely steals it. You know, here yeah. with the sudden appearance uh, to Crichton, stupid, stupid, stupors. I was thinking it's the old cat show steal that we used to get from the early series, where he just pop in from nowhere. Um, obviously, the yeah. audience reaction agreed with that, because it'd get quite a, quite a big laugh from this moment on as well. Yeah, yeah, sure. I think I think yeah. If you if you can get a funny introduction of a character, yeah, um, you know, on the first appearance in an episode, then yeah, the crowd. Uh, me personally, I thought it were overreaction, but <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it just kind of reminded me of, like the old, the way the, the old episodes, the way Cat used to always mm. get introduced on the episodes. They were all like quite funny moments that he just pop out of nowhere, um, and it just kind of reminded me of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, Crichton's in a funk you find out that it's his creation day anniversary, so pretty much his birthday, and it's roughly about three million, and he's going to have a midlife crisis. So what we're saying is is, is if he's three million-ish years old, yeah. that he's designed to last six million years? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, if it's midlife. <laughs> All right. Appliances don't last much longer than 
until the next model is released at least or until the warranty runs out. Yeah, yeah. Right, now we know that Hudson 10, early Red Dwarf days, the last day, you know, um, in that episode he'd been tracking them for the best part of three million years. Um, It don't seem to add up to me six million years as a life expectancy for a device that... You can't make good marketing sense, can it? It's just like, buy one of these droids. You'll never have to buy one again. (laughs) Yeah, it it don't... To me, it seems... This is the problem I've got with this episode, is the whole uh, premise of the episode itself Mm. of Crichton having a midlife crisis is just a bit too forced. Yeah, sure, sure. It's it's really, really shoehorned in. I really... That's the only... Yeah, it's a, it's a real irritator with this episode. This just that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. right, life expectancy of six million years. That doesn't make sense. It's, yeah. It's not his midlife. Mm. I mean, He's just having a an issue. Yeah. I think the whole like midlife crisis storyline could still work, but in the same way, you wouldn't have to mention that they were built to last six million years. You could have Crichton mm. reacting exactly the same way and have the exact same story arc without Crichton saying he's got a midlife crisis. They could just be he was depressed because he's doing doing the same thing for year and year. Don't sure, have to, yeah. Didn't have yeah. to do that jar and explanation that he is built to last six million years just because they've gone, oh, we'll, we'll have a midlife crisis episode, but hang on a sec, he has actually been alive for three million years. I'll tell you what, we'll just tell you that the droid is supposed to last six million years. Yeah, yeah. That kind of felt like the explanation is that, like, don't we come with this, like, oh, we need to have Crichton feeling depressed and down. I know, we'll do a midlife crisis gag. I'm going to say, it's been three million years old already. And it just felt like that lamb was just added on purely because Doug had a storyline for Crichton. Yeah. Do you, reckon, do you reckon it might be more to do with um, making it relatable for the viewers? Possibly. Just thinking of when it was broadcast and what age, you know, the view people that were young and watching it at the time, you know, in the late teens, early twenties, you mean are us. now in that? Well, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. We yeah, yeah. we can relate to this loss of interest and in old midlife stuff. Yeah. Um, there's at least two of us here that ended up with stormtrooper outfits, and all three of us are Red Dwarf podcast. <laughs> Although you've not hit the midlife yet, have you? Ethan? No, he's only just hit thirty. <laughs> 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 but I know like continuity has never been Red Dwarf's strong point anyway and I've always accepted yeah. that in like in favour of the comedy but yeah. just, it was just too tacked on it was just too forced for me yeah I understand yeah. Yeah. yeah the next scene starts and Lister and Rimmer explaining what midlife crisis to cap yeah, who apparently has no life regrets whatsoever. <laughs> but he's a cat. So. Yeah. It's not the <laughs> first time sleeps. we've seen that, have we? So. Yeah, yeah. Um, at this point, you see that Crichton has gone for a suit with Go Faster Stripes. Right. <laughs> now, you know, when we we see this suit, we've already seen this suit in the opening credits. We have, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, having already seen the episode title, Crisis, I'd already put two and two together. Uh, you know, I'd guessed that we was going to get a Crichton midlife crisis, you know, something along those lines. Yeah. And I was absolutely dreading this suit. Um, I kept expecting, you know, the Series 8 style plot line, you know, with Crichton going, you're lying all the time. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Luckily, it's like you said, Ian, it's not handled as bad as that. Yeah. It's Crichty TV or anything like that. It's it's not as bad as that. Mm. All right. Um, if it was a serious drama, you'd expect a bit more subtlety about the subject. But for me, it works okay. Okay. Uh, it's not great, but for a space sitcom, the way they handle it actually worked all right. Uh, the suit reveal was more fun than I thought it was going to be. Um, the spoiler on top of his head and the spinny neck thing, the bass speakers. <laughs> I did. I found myself <laughs> relating to it. Um, <laughs> I want a car like that. I mean, I mean, I thought, although I've not got a fast car, I've got a car that looks sporty. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, the, the only thing I think where they went a bit far with it was that F1 sound effects, you know, yeah. Yeah, up and yeah, down. Although it, even then, at times, it works like, you know, racing past the corridor doorway, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, for me, it felt like it was just some, something that was randomly, randomly tagged on him in post-production. I'm not sure if that was something that Doug had planned to do at the start. It just felt like you know, 
someone said to him, yeah, we've got F1 sound effects on our computers here, so you can just throw them on here. In fact, if anybody was in the audience for this one, it would be nice to know if they were played that sound effect mm. or if that was, you know, first time they heard it was on broadcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll mention it again. Like, the hesitation going into this episode was, I was just, I wasn't sure. I was kind of like, had me back up from the start. I mean, especially when we see the opening titles and we see him doing that dance in the red suit, I was like, oh, God, no. It's going to be yeah. another one of them episodes. And as you say, I'm like, frankly, it's fun and it works to a certain level. It, I don't think it was a laugh out loud moment, but. I think it works well, and plus we get to see Danny Dondios has still got some dance moves. I wouldn't say he's a good yeah, used to be, yeah. but yeah, yeah it, it felt okay, and I was kind of like, okay, I can work with this, but it wasn't like, I wouldn't say it was funny, but I wouldn't say it was as bad as anything we see on crazy TV. And you know what it was missing, don't you? Go on. A, a dancing blue midget. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with crying, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, at this point, Lister explains that he's having a midlife crisis, and... Rimmer suggests that they'll fix it by showing him the achievements that he's had over the years and maybe, you know, um, pull him out of it. So they've decided at this point they're going to find an old mech and say, right, well, well obviously you've broken your programming, et cetera, et cetera, and this is what you'd be like if you didn't break your programming. So they set set destination and they're all going to stasis. Yeah, so they're with themselves in stasis because they realise the ship's too far away so these had to go in stasis to pass the, for a passage of time and this is yeah. where I feel it was just a bit like whoa okay hang on a sec because it just feels like they go let's go into stasis and it's just sneakily inserted into the episode I mean yeah. the stasis booths have always been used quite rarely throughout Red Dwarf but they've always had like a kind of meaning and a quite a powerful episode like they've always been part yeah. of a grander story and for me it just feels like it's been degraded somewhat so like just to move the plot from one scene to the next, and then it's kind of forgotten about. Like, we don't yeah, get yeah. any explanations how long they've been in stasis, like, what repercussions is this going to have on the overall story arc? It's, yeah, it's just yeah. gone within, like, 10, 15 seconds. Yeah. One of the points I've got, um, in fact, I've made it for later on, um, is uh, if they're going into stasis, are we, are we still taking... It, that in Red Dwarf, Lister's goal is to find Kachansky. Is he still looking for Kachansky? Yes, that's, yes. that's right. what I mean when so I say goes, the overall story arc. How is yeah, that affected? If he if he's going into stasis, then you know, unless they happen to find her in a stasis booth, right? Um, and she's been in there for however, whether it was tens of years, hundreds of years, thousands of years. We we don't know how long they went into stasis for. Yeah. yeah. Right. There's the potential that they're going to find a bag of bones or a pile of dust. Yeah, again. <laughs> well, it can't be as bad as when we first seen her in Back to Earth with that, eh? <laughs> yeah. The next scene starts and you get this great passage of time transition. Yeah, I've got to admit, like, we do get the old classic Red Dwarf trumpet music here, yeah. I think it's a trumpet, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It just reminds me of the very first episodes that we used to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, going back to that stasis booth thing, you know, you, it shows a passage of time. You don't know how long, but it's obvious that they've, they've travelled some distance. And I'm rem- it reminds me of, uh, I think it was the Dwarf cast that had pointed out, they they had a similar gripe to what you had, Ian, about mm. the stasis booths. And um, they basically said it's become the Star Trek teleporter in yeah, this yeah. episode. Yeah. It's used as a way of getting from point A to point B. And yeah, like you say, it's used... Anyway, I'm going back on the same point we've already covered. Defined <laughs> <laughs> a, uh, a Nova 3, which is local. Um, it's got a 3,000 series mechanoid aboard by the name of Butler. Yeah, so this is where we meet Butler, the series 3000 mechanoid, but if you go back and you watch um, season 6 episodes out of time, it's revealed that the series 3000 mechanoids are almost perfectly human replicas. Yeah. So Maybe he's wearing uh, a mask. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I said before, we shouldn't rely on Red Dwarf continuity, but Again, I know like people like the dwarf cast the guys, but I've all brought this up. But yeah, it, it's it's just why don't they just say he's a, a series four thousand mechanoid because they've just used Crichton's makeup and suit anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes sense to say 
oh look he's even an older kind to compare mm. to Crichton and say 3000 so he's going to be inferior they're trying to show our inferior but yeah you're right the series 3000 in you know according to what's gone previously it can't be <laughs> yeah yeah the next scene starts and you find out that this Nova 3 had been out looking for the universe, uh, which was deemed to be an entity. Yeah, I know it's not exactly replica, but is anyone starting to get like real like Hitchhiker's Guide vibes to this episode? It's it's more... It's more, more like a subtle, subtle hint. Funny. Than, yeah, yeah. It's like if Hitchhikers did carry on. <laughs> yeah. This, this is just it. Red Dwarf is... It's comedy, but it's not... It never really goes delves too far into the silly factor, yeah, yeah, like Hitchhikers does, and this definitely goes into steps well beyond that silly line. If yeah, you know what I mean. Um, at this point, they board the ship and they meet Butler. Um, you find out that Butler's actually quite impressive. He's uh, he's kind of the ace rumor of mechanoids. Yeah. yeah. Although he's got Series 10 Crichton as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did anybody else notice that? Yeah. 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 See, like, um, so it's always been listed he's talking about how to break his program. And, but yeah. I want to know what you guys thought about how Butler might have broken his. Is it easier because he's an older droid? What do you think? I I personally think it's because he's not had anybody to serve, mm-hmm. and so he's only served himself. Whereas Crichton spent his time watching soap operas. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, it, I'm assuming Butler didn't have soap operas available to him, yeah. and um, so he's actually gone along the path of self fulfilment. And yeah, you know. sounds good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just want to point out how good of a performance we get from Dominic Coleman, who gives us um, Butler. In this episode, and yeah. Alant usually gives us the details on the actors, so I'll leave that to him a bit later on. But for me, this is my favourite guest star of the series, and probably what I've seen in Red Door for a long, long time. I mean, mm, we kind of okay. get a mix between like the David Ross version of Crichton that we see in series two and the Robert Llewellyn we get, and I think it, it was yeah. played to perfection. It, one of the highlights, if not the highlight of the episode for me. Did anybody get a sense of Legion about him as well? Very much, yeah. Mm. Especially with the art paint, with the artwork and stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. I mean, I just, I'd, I'd be, I'd be happy if he, if he appeared in another episode again. Yeah. Again, maybe another bike crash, and it comes in as a different actor, and you know, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, obviously, Rimmer wants to keep Butler. The next scene starts, and there's a Gelf ship, and it's incoming on Starbuck. Yeah, so I wanted to make a, like a note here, basically, just how good the production was on the Gelf suit. Um, yeah. I mean, we've seen some dodgy Gelf suits throughout the time, but this one's pretty good, I think. Yeah. I thought this one was quite dodgy myself, actually. Do you? Yeah, I, 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 I thought this was one of the better ones. I kept looking. I thought you could see the human mouth within the Gelf mouth. Um, mm, right, okay. But I, I think it might have just been in the design of the mask. Right. Mm. Uh, Butler, at this point, becomes very smug because he knows the Gelf. At this point, you get a Gelf pronunciation of Ma. <laughs> and it's just it's like... The, it's all in the throat, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, Ma. <laughs> Um, I'm not following suit with you. <laughs> <laughs> Bridges kind of went on and on and on. I, I I thought this was a slightly overplayed joke. I'm not sure he was just trying no, to say mum and scouse, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I didn't think it were overplayed at all. I thought it was brilliant. Um, the, the only thing I noticed in this is uh, when they're talking about... Um, during the subtitles, I, I watch it with the subtitles on. Yeah. And... The guys that did the subtitles for this show were absolutely awful. I mean, <laughs> we're bad enough, we can't even spell Scutter correctly. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, 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 know, they, we, they we've spelled... done that so we didn't get copyright issues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had the uh, Kinatawawi, was spelt with a G. <laughs> right, okay. You know, yeah, totally, totally different. G U I, Gwinitawi or something. Oh, wow. No, just not even tried. <laughs> but like I say, who are we to criticize? Yeah, yeah, yeah point. I mean, but no, the actual scene itself. I, you say it went on for too long. I 
was killing myself laughing at it. Really yeah. was. I mean, initially, I, I liked the first part of the episode, but when they just kept going, no, it's in, it's in the throat, and just kept going and going and going, and then you got crying and pulling the face while he's doing it. I'm just like, come on, scene over. <laughs> See, you know, like this is why. Robert Llewellyn was hired to play Crichton. Like his facelift presence are absolutely perfect throughout the scene. And actually, mm. I don't think it's this scene. I think he's on phone throughout this entire episode. So, yeah. sure, yeah. I yeah. think it's two v one on this scene. To be honest with you, it you're right. It is watching this scene. It's actually watching Crichton's face trying and the look mm. on his face as he's trying. Everybody else is getting it, and they've got mm. they're throwing him encouraging looks. But it's just Crichton's face where he's looking for approval as he's doing it. Yeah, yeah. That's what made this scene for me. This this final ah, scene. So okay, he got me okay. to do it. <laughs> <laughs> See, it makes you think like um, the obviously Robert Llewellyn was known for his like he's got a really animated face, so he got sure, the role yeah. of Crichton, and he has a really animated face in this scene in particular, and it makes you think like he's got layers and layers of prosthetics on his face. How yeah. much strain is he putting on his face to pull these faces? Yeah, yeah, good point. Because you can't just see all these through the mask, so... I, I actually think, as as Red Dwarf goes on in years, that Robert's face starting to look more and more like Crichton's. He's actually got less makeup on now than what he had. Yeah. And this scene ends with Butler going with the Gelf. The next scene starts, and Lister goes in to see Crichton. And the EM booster's broken, and there was something Butler didn't account for. Yeah, you've you've got sirens going off and the red alert, right? Now, ordinarily, as soon as there's a siren and a red alert, Cat and Rimmer had come running, sprinting into the room. Yeah. You know, come bursting in. They don't. They just... There's no sign of them yet. They're on uh, Starbug, so... Mm. Yeah, scratching my head a bit at that one. Maybe, maybe Rimmer's having a dream. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. So at this point, Crichton is going to get a chance to shine. And they're going to go on land, and it's nine hours away. So the next scene starts, and they end up landing on some station. And the purpose of said station is to search for the universe entity. And they walk into this massive room, and there's, uh, there's a phone with a call waiting. And it just happens to be the universe. Yeah. Now I hate this concept of yeah. an intelligent universe. Um, it basically explains that he created everything. So what he's basically saying is that he's God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the only the only good thing to come from this conversation mm. is um, he confirms what Doug Naylor has always said about there being no aliens in the Red Dwarf universe. Um, where basically the universe says, I only ever created one planet with intelligent life. Right. Okay. But, yeah, for me, the whole concept of uh, mm. the universe being an intelligent, self-sentient being, it, it doesn't work. Mm. It's no. too too far into that. As we said earlier, it's too far into that silly hitchhiker's style. I don't mind silly hitchhiker's style comedy Yeah, as long as we're in a silly hitchhiker-style comedy universe, and Red Dwarf has never been that. Yeah, fair. Yeah, I mean, I can understand what Doug's trying to do, because he wants to give the impression that Lister really is out there alone. Like, there's no other intelligent life out there that's not man-made, I say. So it really gives you the sense of, like, loneliness in outer space. But I kind of think of given the universe, like a personality, kind of goes against that. It makes it mm. kind of feel full. Like, like Lister's always been surrounded by this entity that's Isn't the universe. So to, be, to be fair, it, it was good for the initial couple of seasons of Red Dwarf, this loneliness, <laughs> this nothing else there. All right, but after that, the, you know, they realised there's got to be something else there, and that's where we got the creation of... Uh, Gelfs and uh, androids and other mm. beings and sure, yeah. You know, they basically had to bring all this in because otherwise it would have been a very boring show. Yeah, yeah. You know? mm. uh, but yeah, an intelligent universe just goes too far. Yeah, I really didn't like it, and I really didn't like the the faux Freeman style intelligent universe either. Sure, yeah. Like just because Morgan Freeman's played God in a film. It doesn't mean he has to be parody, parried, parodied. 
Harry. Yeah, I know. I know where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just felt quite jarring to me, and I don't think I've seen anyone who liked it. Yeah, yeah. Her crying at this point tells the universe that he's going to die in 14 billion years, and the universe goes into a, a midlife crisis. Uh, yeah, yeah, like it doesn't know. <laughs> I know it created everything. <laughs> so yeah, this universe having a midlife crisis is just annoying. Like we said at the start of the episode, the midlife crisis element didn't need to be here. Like it didn't need to be yeah. in Crichton's storyline. It didn't need to be in the universe's storyline here. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Crichton goes on to explain that he's the revelation of love. So basically, that sure. is Crichton's justification, basically, and that again is another weak point. I mean, Ganymede and Titan sums it up what for me would be a perfect ending for Crichton's story, in which they say Crichton could have talked about how breaking his program through Lister's friendship, his tutelage, and actually allowing him to feel love in that way, that maybe he Mm, could better Butler. So it kind of brings everything back back to the start where... Okay, Crichton mightn't be able to draw a paint and he mightn't be able to do concertos and stuff like that, but he found love through his friendship with Lister, Cat, and throughout the Red Dwarf. So sure, that gives okay. his life meaning and that allows him to pass yeah, through his midlife t- crisis. It, it ties it up in a bow mm. better. It, it brings it all together. Mm. Like you say, he plucks this love thing out of his uh, air vent. pulls it out of nowhere and yeah it would have been good to tie it into the plot line with Butler Uh, right yeah seems as we've had the introduction of Daniel Barker again as the voice of the universe this time Mm. Um, I suppose it's time to go over the other guests that we've had Uh, so uh, as you've already mentioned we've had Butler uh, played by Dominic Coleman Um. His face, when I looked at his IMDb page, was um, instantly recognisable. Um, yeah. Obviously, on his IMDb page, not on his mechanoid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it looks just like... I'm sure I've seen that face before. Um, but yeah, looking through, his, scrolling through his IMDb, and there's, there's nothing specifically I can recall him from. Mm. Um, he's been in a lot. He's been in Trolled and Cold Feet and uh, Torchwood and uh, Peaky Blinders. Um if you've not seen Peaky Blinders, you've got to watch that great show. Okay. Uh, Sex Lives of the Potato Men. He was in that. That was a film I'd forgot about. Yeah. <laughs> I love the fact uh, that your show, no two wrote X Lives of the Potato Men. That wasn't deliberate. I don't know why. <laughs> yes, <I'm> <laughs> I thought somebody else had edited it. Um, you've got the obligatory appearances in The Bill, EastEnders, Coronation Street. and Yeah, a general all-rounder, but I can't specifically recall where I've seen his face, you know, what I've watched him in. Um, the other guest we've got was uh, Robert Nairn, who played the Gelf Chief. Okay. Uh, much, much shorter IMDb isting, as I've written. I'm missing the <laughs> <laughs> um, Full credited row. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I never had this problem with a PC. <laughs> Uh, uncredited Rogue One appearance as Colby Sparado and Cy Sid Ock. Um, I'm not sure if they're the short type yeah, again. <laughs> well, he's listed as a creature and a droid puppeteer for both Force Awakens and Rogue One. Right. Uh, so I'm assuming that he plays masked aliens and stuff with animatronics and. Um, uh, he's also played a vampire in Penny Dreadful and a female werewolf in the house. So, yeah, it looks like he specialises in working under masks or in puppetry. Cool. The final season starts and we're back on Starbuck. Crichton now seems hell of a lot happier. Um, he gets in contact with Butler, you know, to brag and say, you know, he's met the universe and all the rest of it. Um, but you know what? He already knows. He's already <laughs> busy mates with him. Yeah. Now, see, I've written here, this was a nice, tidy little ending to the episode, which kind of goes against um, what you were saying earlier, Ian. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with basically plucking the love yeah. reason out of his butt. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's not so much it's not so much the actual method of the ending, it's just this as a final scene. For me, it worked. Yeah. Well, it makes a difference that we actually got an ending. This episode? <laughs> yeah, yeah, after the last yeah. one, yeah. 
yeah. Well, I think that's what I would get in that, to be fair, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I completely get what you mean. And, like, for me, if they'd done the revelation of love better and um, Crichton's love for the his friends better and Butler would be a perfect end. And I think it would be within Red Dwarf fashion to figure out that he actually hadn't bettered Butler because Butler already knew all this with the universe and stuff like that. So seeing Crichton go back into, like, sulk mode was quite way, quite a cool way to end the episode. Sure, yeah. Okay, well, that's episode review done. Next, the scores. To be fair, I wasn't a fan of this. Um, the whole midlife crisis story arc, I just didn't think worked. The Crichton suit, I thought that was kind of overplayed. Um, the mm. universe as an entity, again, I didn't really like that. Um, they all felt like there should be subplots in a better episode. Um, but together, they just didn't work for me. So I'm going to give this a 5 out of 10. Mm. Uh, Anthony? Um, I've gone for a 7 out of 10. Um I've scored it on sort of enjoyment factor. Okay. Um, I ended up enjoying this episode a lot more than I thought it would. Uh, it consistently made me chuckle throughout. Yeah. Uh, but with not many massive, huge laugh out loud moments. Yeah. Um, it was just, it just plodded along at a nice pace and amused me from beginning to end. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd, I've written I'd struggle to give it less than a seven, but now I've got doubts. You know, now uh, <laughs> Ian's reminded me about the. Uh, you know how it could have tied in better with Butler, but uh, yeah, um, I'm going to go for a seven. I, just on an enjoyment factor, it's one mm. I can stick on and enjoy. Sure, it. yeah. Uh, Ian, yeah. I mean, for me, I always score these episodes based on two factors. Like one being how did they compare to the older series that we've give like sevens and eights to, and sure, basically, yeah. is it rewatchable? Like. If you were bored mm. and you were going to throw a Red Dwarf DVD on, would this be an episode that you'd pick? And for me, um, I'm not quite sure. I mean, mentioned it a few times, the Crichton-centric episodes of Red Dwarf 4 always had a bit of a mixed history. So I was yeah. a bit hesitant watching it at first. Um, I like the story idea. I do really do. I feel like to depress Crichton and the crew make it the job to cheer him up. I think that's all it needed. It didn't need the midlife crisis storyline yeah, yeah, thrown in. Yeah. Um, I think Butler was great. Um I think the universe elements are extremely weak, though, and I don't know. Past this throughout the episodes, it's, it's, it's got its ups and its downs. So I don't, I, it just falls short of a seven for me. So I'm going for a six. Okay, fair enough. So that's five, uh, six from you, and seven from Ant. So that's uh, six out of ten. So not horrible. Um, mm. An average, an average episode. Okay, well that's scores done. Next section: Groove Town. All right, dudes, what's going down in Groove Town then? Anthony, over to you. Again, pff, Groove Town. <laughs> we're not really current, are we? Um, at, the, at the time of recording this podcast, uh, yeah. we're just following the official Red Dwarf uh, Dimension Jump convention for, um, yeah. uh, I think, a, a couple of weeks back now. Yeah. All right. Now, this, for the last two occasions, has been held in uh, our hometown of Nottingham. It has, yeah. Um, and on both occasions, I've not been able to attend. All the times of going and paying hotel fees in Birmingham. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I've not been able to, partly due to costs and money, mostly due to work commitments. Sure, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've got no... From what I can gather on this one, it's uh, the first time for a while where we've had a Dimension Jump convention where there hasn't been much by way of huge announcements yeah. or revelations. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had... There was a conversation, it's something I'd heard before this Dimension Jump, and also it was raised again at Dimension Jump. Um, People have asked about Series 13 and 14 and the future of Red Dwarf, and some of the stars have confirmed that it's been discussed and that everyone is up for doing it is uh, what I've put in speech marks. Um, So presumably this means that they're planning to record series 13 and 14 in the same way as they did 11 and 12 sure, 12 yeah. episodes in one go and that'll last them two years um so yeah be be interesting to see uh you know if anything actually comes of that obviously there's no pen to paper yet but they've obviously discussed the you know the feasibility of it yeah. so yep cool and that's it <laughs> i mean if it does happen then we'll probably have to be a bit quicker on them episodes than we have these ones 
<laughs> we'll just be finishing season 12 otherwise I'll be having my midlife crisis then <laughs> cool next section is Parrot's Bar welcome to the Parrot's Bar the place you can drink a curry flavoured tequila slammer that burns on the way in and on the way out Parrot's Bar um Anthony, not not done a deal. Uh, we we went out during the Easter Bank holiday to sure. um, went out with the family to the National Video Game Arcade in Nottingham. Ah, keep uh, me in to go there. Is it any good? I was just going to say. I thought you had. A, I'm surprised you've not been. I thought you had been there actually. <laughs> um, to call it a national venue, right. you could probably do them under the Trades Descriptions Act. Okay, <laughs> um, it's 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 not so much. It's basically uh, for anybody that doesn't know. It um, sells itself as a museum for um, video gaming um, yeah. and arcade machines. Um, and there's about three floors, four floors, something like that. And are expecting to go in and play old Atari 2600s and a yeah. tabletop Pong game and um, Street Fighter 2 with the six-button arcade machine to be there and... Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was a little bit disappointed with right. how much was there. It's more of a for a local place. Brilliant. If you'd travelled yeah. down from Edinburgh for it, you'd be furious. Right. Okay. Right. Um, but yeah, it's it's worth going in. It wasn't overly expensive. It's a nice way to spend, you know, two, three, four hours. Okay. Um, Interesting. What there's, there's no Atari two thousand six hundreds that are playable. All of those are locked up in cases. Um, I had a go on Ghostbusters on the Commodore 64. Oh, wow. Which I played for the whole of 60 seconds before realising, actually, that's crap. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've got fond memories of that game. Yeah, this is just it. It was nice to see a lot of the stuff, although there isn't that much to see. And they've got, like, there's an Amstrad set up, you know, an old Amstrad um, with a game on it I've never heard of or seen before. And there's various computers older computers set up with games you've never heard of or seen before you know mm. um so yeah i think it just very much depends on whether these particular games hit a note with you street fighter i love street fighter 2 i wanted to play the arcade game of street fighter 2 yeah they've got street fighter 2 but it's uh it's on the um like nintendo entertainment system yeah. yeah and so it's a bit uh oh yeah but i never liked it on this uh, <laughs> sure, yeah. not have, you've got to roll you know I can't do Tiger Uppercut with buttons. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, basically, it was... Um, I enjoyed it. It was all right, but uh, it Is was it a bit... free to get quite national. No, no, it was... Um, I think it's about a tenner, something like that. Hmm, okay. Um, uh, on other news, um, you know how much I... You hate Apple. I don't hate Apple. Um, you do. It's just not as life changing. No, I hate Apple fanboys. <laughs> it's, it, it, they're not as good as people make out. Uh, I've got a PC that's okay. It overcomplicates some stuff. Um, I wish it worked a little bit more like a uh, Windows sometimes. What crashing? And I've I've <laughs> literally just bought. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> you're missing those blue um, screens. <laughs> No, just you know, I when there's a problem with something, you right click and all your options are there. With Apple, it's uh, you got to download an app. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to right. How do I close that? I download an app to close programs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Sounds I've like just literally <laughs> I've ditched uh, my Android and I got a. It's it's a refurb. It's only an old one, an iPhone five C. Oh, cool. And um, yeah, I still hate Apple. I look at it and I want to do this with it and it don't do this with it. And I'm thinking, hang on, with Android, if I just held my thumb on that button, it would come up with these options to close that program or to do that. It don't. Mm. Yeah, it's... uh, I'm sure it'll be fine when I get used to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I, I told you the other week, it's a slippery slope, haven't you? No, I can't believe it. I'm I'm not the Apple fanboy and I've ended up with... Bloody iPhone and uh, Mac. <laughs> and don't you have an iPod as well? Oh, the classic. Can't yeah. go wrong with the iPod classic. Yeah, the one yeah, that yeah. they discontinued. So basically all your tech is now Apple. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's he's going to be walking around with a, black, with a black tail neck jumper on soon. 
I've I've got a HP monitor and I'm keeping it that way. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, although it is a bit small and rubbish. <laughs> yeah. No, we're at the the final stages of sorting our mortgage out. So my oh, life's fantastic. not very fun at the moment. Like you probably know what it's like. Yeah. But it's yeah, a nightmare. I'm approaching the end of my mortgage. <laughs> you what, sorry? I'm approaching the end of my mortgage. There's only about five years left on it. Oh, I wish. <laughs> I've got like 23 <laughs> years left on mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that's fun. It was hopefully to find an answer within the next, like, five five days a week. So, um, yeah. it's my going through a lot of stuff and the house is not even built yet. So, like, not until even look at. So, it's a bit of a bit of a pain but we're almost there um so you are quite lucky um i mean we bought and then we had to wait for somebody to move out we had, we had somebody moving mm. their stuff out as we were moving in and we had to exchange keys at a certain time and all the rest of it at least with yours you're getting your mortgage up front and then it's just gonna be a matter of there's your house there's your keys go <laughs> yeah but it's just a pile of bricks so we're spending a lot of money just for a pile of bricks at the moment <laughs> yeah uh-huh. so to keep myself busy i've bought um I know we spoke about it on the last podcast. We decided to buy a Nintendo Switch. Um, ah, you liking it? Yeah. Well, I bought Zelda with it, which is I'm not I'm not exaggerating. It's really, really brought me right back into gaming. It just kind of made me feel like I was playing Ocarina of Time all over again. Like it's just got sure, like yeah. nostalgia. It's got modern gaming. It's open world. It's it really is that good. And for me, it's made buying the Switch worthwhile. I mean, I was never a fan. I never bought a Wii U. I never bought a... I haven't bought a Nintendo for God knows how long. And I just yeah. thought, I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm going to get it. And you know what? I can't put it down at the moment. Just picking it up. And good thing about it is, like, you can. You just, it's wanted to charge. You can just pick it up. And if you've got, like, 20 minutes, you just play it and you just put it down with anywhere you want yeah. in the house. So it's, it's really handy and it's a... Well worth the investment, I think. Um, yeah, so that's been quite cool. I mean, um, to be honest, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and a lot mm. of people are absolutely in love with that game. They said it's just like the perfect Zelda. Yeah, it is. It's it's kind of all the old Zeldas kind of merged into one modern package with all the benefits of nostalgia and modern gaming all rolled into one, and it it sure, really yeah. works. Um, cool. Yeah, so that's been good. <laughs> As I spoke to you guys just before we started recording, um, if anyone notices that my audio might be, I don't know if it's going to be any better, but I hope it is because I've just realised that I've been speaking into the back of my microphone for the last five <laughs> for the episodes. Last four episodes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know why, but I have. Um, so. I'm now talking back into the front of it, so hopefully I sound a little bit better. <laughs> you know what, like, uh, I, I did the amount of stick I'm going to get as well, because kind of this is my job now. I'm like kind of working in video <laughs> and audio, and I go and speak into the back of a microphone for four weeks, which is never a good thing. I mean, you know, when you say four weeks, we started in December. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, surely when you're taking video, you're not, <laughs> you get home on a night, it's like, oh, well, it's on my face. <laughs> I mean, because well, it's because I don't know what microphone you use, but I use the, like a tabletop um, USB microphone called the Blue Yeti. So it's kind yeah. of just like a global microphone. So it kind of looks exactly the same on the back as it does in the front. So we probably most of you um, listeners don't know that I'm always kind of late so it's always kind of a rush <laughs> job and just plugging it in and right I'm ready let's go and I've never realised until we was trying to sync up all the audio and realised how echo it was so it's just yeah. on YouTube and like what, what settings can you do and he was honestly this is 100% true there's a reviewer who reviewed this Blue Yeti microphone I was like first thing you do is make sure you're speaking into the right end of it I was like oh so that's what I've been doing <laughs> <laughs> so yeah oh, it's quick fix hopefully it's sorted them <laughs> <laughs> quick fix by turning it around <laughs> oh well done um myself i've been uh i've got the tough mudder um in fact this episode will probably air after i've done it so so that'll be just explain weird. what a tough mudder is because when you talked about it on checkpoint done i didn't know initially what it was okay so this is um over in grantham Mm-hmm. There's uh, there's a big stately home, and they set out a 13 mile 
um, obstacle course. So you've got a, a, so you've got a half marathon, um, and every say about every kilometer or so, it's broken up by an obstacle. Uh, these can be anything from uh, jumping over hay barrels um, to going through. Uh, like muddy slides into muddy water or uh, wading waist deep or there'd be like running up a big uh, slide and trying to get up there or there's uh, my personal uh, the, the one which I don't think I can do this time which is called the Arctic Enema right and basically what you do <laughs> Arctic you, Enema yeah right so so basically you, there's a skip um, and you slide down a board into a skip of ice cubes Right. Now, think at this point, you've already run about five miles. Um, so you, you're covered in mud, you, you're already really warm, and you you slide into this skip of freezing water. Um, and then halfway through the skip, there's a lot of tyres, so it's like, right, now, you, now you've come up for air. Just tuck your head under and go under those tiles and, uh, go under those tires and out the other end. And you're just like, okay. <laughs> and you get out and the shock is just horrendous. Then it's like, right, go wade through that stream. But yeah, yeah, so it's half marathon, monkey bars, yeah. there's, there's just everything. So I was going to say, I was going to say, it sounds like Daley Thompson's Olympics only for real. <laughs> it sounds worse than that. So is this so, what you've done before? Um, yeah, so I did it. I did it last year. I did it last May, um, yeah. and it was kind of harsh. And but the thing is, the the adrenaline that's running and everything like that when you when you do it, they, they send you an email like two or three hours after you've done it, saying, "Oh, well done." Oh, by the way, he's twenty five percent off next year. And uh, you're like, "Oh, are we all doing it again?" And they're all like, "Yeah." But it's like you pay. Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> Be pay like eighty quid for this. What? To get covered yeah. in mud. Absolutely, head to toe. Go on, um, a house I, in town. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, it, it, it's interesting. It's think. Um, I don't know. It's hard to describe. Uh, imagine like a, an army assault course, uh, but thirteen miles and just ridiculous. Uh, but it, it's all about the team. I mean, we went last time. I think there was about fifteen of us, mm-hmm. and it's like everybody goes through these things, and you, you drag people out, and you uh, and all the rest of it. And it's it's just that kind of thing. It, it took about four and a half, five hours last time. I'm just going to say we all give each other CPR. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> uh, but no, it's, it's just interesting. So I've been I've been down doing a lot of running again. So I mean, you'll yeah. know these. Well, I think we spoke on the last one, um, but I've kind of extended my run. So I kind of leave work. I go up the uh, Trent River, then down the canal down to like the uh, Games Workshop. Yeah, uh, and then back in through the back way. But hmm. so I'm doing each run's about eight and a half k. And it's just like, oh, yeah, look look at me. I can do these now. <laughs> Where a year back, if I was just like... You, if you carried on running by the river, you'd run past my workplace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, just, <laughs> I'm just hoping that you don't suggest a scutter cast. Hey, that'd mm-hmm. be good. Tough mudder. Because <laughs> the answer would be no. Well, I, I did a smaller one last October. Um, it was it was called an X-Runner. And basically, it was uh, it was two 5k laps and so we did this uh we did the tough motor which is this massive thing well thought out um a lot of equipment a lot of marshals all the rest of it this this x runner was about half the price Mm. and it's like right you've got 42 extreme obstacles i'm like right okay shit so first one hay bale a single hay bale (laughs) you jump over it (laughs) second one single hay bale (laughs) third one single hay bale (laughs) hang on and there was like oh you must jump over this fire pit I shit you not it was about a foot wide <laughs> you just kind of stepped over it just like, lunging oh. over it <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we can do that one if you want yeah we'll, um, we'll talk about that <laughs> we'll do that after season How 14 <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, so yeah I've been training for that um, so to be honest by the time this airs I will have done that and I will be chilling out a bit because uh, I'm pretty shy, to be honest. <laughs> if he's I mean, just, still alive, yeah. And then uh, just, just, just. Uh, secondly, I I've actually listened to Anthony and taken some of his advice. <laughs> I watched Dirk gently. Yeah. Now I I heard your opinion 
on Checkpoint done after you'd watched two episodes, I think it was. Yes. So I've now and you you that. at that point were not sure. You no, were, I was very confused. You were, I, and I thought, stick with it, and I know you'll love where this ends up. Yes, it was very clever. Um, uh, well, the the next episode that airs on Friday, um, I talk about the rest of it. But yeah. as that will have already happened like four weeks ago, five weeks ago <laughs> even. <laughs> Um, oh, podcasting time travel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Embrace the paradox. You, yeah, are you ruining our continuity? <laughs> yeah. Um, but basically, yeah. Uh, when you get to the end, and once uh, I think you get the second to last episode, it's just like ah, I see where the, all this is going. I mean, it suddenly makes sense. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and and it's got a very, very much Douglas Adams feel to it. Yeah, without well, it is spoilers. Douglas, Douglas Adams' story. Obviously. Yes, yes, I know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I listened to the audiobooks, and then um, was it Channel Four did one? A yeah. While so ago? they did the. So I had a look on Audible, and they did a, a three and a half hour audio drama. So it's. Uh, it, I think you got full sound effects and uh, voice. Oh by no, no, cast. no! I'm on about um, the Channel Four did a TV production of it. Ah, oh, right. Okay. Of Dirk Gently, um, which. Uh, you, you, you've got the cats are involved and stuff like that, but it um, it was very much not um, Douglas Adams' Dirk Gently. It was very loosely based on it, right? Okay, and uh, it, you know it was more of a detective story with a bit of quirkiness. Whereas this one that uh, Netflix have produced is absolutely bat crazy. You know, it's yeah, it was, um, and to be honest. I think it takes about four episodes before you actually start twigging. Yeah. And it's just like, I think I know mm. where this is going. And then it's just like, ah, right, okay. But yeah, how it, how it completed the loop, um, really, really good. Uh, so if anybody has got um, Netflix, I suggest having a watch of that. Yeah, um, I just want to give a great question as well, because I know, Darren, that you yeah. used to watch Top Gear, didn't you? Have you guys watched the new series? Yes. yes. Which one? The new series of Top Gear or the uh, oh, Grand Tour? The, the new, Grand the Tour. new Top Gear. Okay, so See, I've, I've watched them all. Yeah. Sorry, you go on, Darren. Uh, I was going to say. So I, I watched Grand Tour. I, I, I used to watch Top Gear for the guys. Um, it, for me, it stopped being a car show many, many series ago. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, so uh, the Grand Tour, I watched that, and I've absolutely loved that. Um, the how would you rate it compared to old Top Gear? With the it's it's for me it mm. was good but not as enjoyable. Um, things like yeah. the uh, the Sleb of the week celebrity brainstorm yeah. yeah that did not work for me. That should have been a one episode gag, not series. Agreed. Yeah, I mean there were some good bits in, uh, but yeah. if let, let's say I'm scoring the original Top Gear uh, ten out of ten, I would put this about seven and a half eight. Yeah, 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 that's fair enough. Um, where if we go back to the, so we, we've got we're into the second season of the new crew. Um, so the the first season with Chris Evans, I personally Suck. thought was, yeah, it was quite badly cast. I, I thought Matt yeah. LeBlanc was surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think Chris Evans, even though he's a car enthusiast, I just didn't think he worked. His ego didn't work with it. Bearing, yeah. in, bearing in mind, we've got Jeremy Clarkson with his ego. Yeah. Um, Clarkson's ego works. Chris Evans doesn't. It's a bit too much arrogance to that yeah. ego. Yeah. Uh, well, I think I think I th- the new new talk here is absolutely brilliant. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. What, so now, you see, I, this I last season. It, I, yeah. I've put it as okay. Since they've dropped Chris Evans, I've put it as okay, and I've enjoyed watching it. But I feel like the conversations between Matt LeBlanc and uh, the other two guys seems a bit too scripted and forced. So my, my problem with it is, um, I think you've got those three guys trying to fill mm-hmm. the roles of uh, Mayor Clarkson and uh, Hammond. And I yeah. don't think they fit those roles. So they're, they're trying to do the same jokes. They're, basically, I think they just need to do a full refresh and say, right, screw everything else. Let's just have a chat because... I, I totally agree. It, it's like somebody stood there with the whiteboards with the scripts on there, and it's just like, ha, 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 this is funny. And it's like, no. So I, I fully watched the first episode of this late season, and I couldn't watch anymore. Yeah. I'd, no, I enjoyed it. I thought it was okay, but it wasn't... Um, 
it wasn't as good as uh, the Grand Tour or yeah. the original Top no, Gear see, with see. the original three. I, I really like Chris Harris. I think he's a really, really good addition to the show. Like, not only is he a, a really good racing driver, but I think he adds something completely different to the to the episode compared to what we had with Hammond. Which, and which I agree. Yeah. I've got I've got no problems with the with the hosts. I just think trying mm. to crowbar into the old roles just doesn't work. See I think it's kinda of like a bit more serious now than it's ever been. It's like it's like it's turning into a car show. Yeah. Nah, we'll turn it off then. <laughs> I must I must admit it was it was brilliant when they were racing through that quarry and he clattered into the back of um, Matt LeBlanc's car, and you could see on his face he thought he he thought he'd done him a serious injury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This week's podcast of the week is S Town. Over to you, Anthony. So this is this has been produced by uh, This American Life, the same people that brought you the Serial podcast. In yeah. fact, they trailered it on the Serial feed. Right, okay. Um, that's how I first found out about it. Yeah. Um, now, initially, going into this podcast, it sounds like it's going to be another murder investigation. Okay. Um, it starts off... Uh, it starts off with a guy who um, writes into... The host is a reporter... Uh, yeah. Somebody writes to this reporter and says, I would like you to investigate a murder that uh, supposedly took place in this town and has been buried by the authorities because the accused is the son of the rich family in this small town. And okay. he calls his local town, basically the S stands for shit. He calls it shit town. Okay. Right, so that's why it's called S town. Um, initially, that's what you think it's going to be, a murder investigation. It I don't want to go into too much detail because um, this podcast goes on a different journey where it goes from potential murder investigation to looking at the uh, the interesting characters involved around this town, uh, the guy that initially contacted this reporter. And um, it doesn't go where you think it's going to. It isn't about this murder that may or may not have taken place it isn't about the wealthy family uh it's all to do with this reporter and things that take place okay as he's as he's investigating this murder and where it leads to okay um yeah it's basically it's all to do with this reporter becoming friends with him and it goes to places not a love story though <laughs> right okay. but yeah it's it's full of intrigue it's full of emotion and i found it a really riveting read uh, read i found it a really riveting listen sure and yeah. so yeah i i really enjoyed this one it's only a, a few episodes i meant to write down how long the episodes are and how many episodes it is i think it's about six episodes seven episodes okay. from memory and they're only about three quarters an hour long it's not a big podcast to get through but i really enjoyed it from beginning to end mm. you know some strange characters in there some unique people uh, that you get introduced to and just a glimpse into um you know a deep south small town in america interesting cool and where can that be found yeah, it helps if I tell you. <laughs> you can Google uh, S-Town Podcast or This American Life S-Town. Um, you can actually find it at stownpodcast.org. Cool. Okay. Okay, well, that's it for this episode. If you want to find us on Twitter, it's at Red Dwarf Forum. If you want to find us on Facebook, just do a search for Scuttercast. If you want to send us an email... It's scuttercast at reddwarforum.com. And finally, if you want to visit us on the forum, it's reddwarforum.com. Okay, until the next episode, goodbye. See ya. Bye-bye.